Well, we want to welcome you here this evening. Uh, my name is Paul Mumon. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis, and thanks for coming out to celebrate Christmas with us tonight here at uh, Genesis Church. Uh, we recognize that there are a whole bunch of different places uh, you could be on an afternoon like today, and so uh, thank you for coming uh, to have this time with us. We'd love the chance to get to know you a little bit better. And um, I just want to acknowledge that we've got a number of kids with us uh, in the room uh, this evening, and uh, we want you to know that kids are a big part of our church that we don't just uh, view even our Sunday morning experience as something where you drop the kids off uh, in child care so that, you know, adults can be in here. But because we think kids are a big part of our church, uh, there are four or five times a year where we bring all of the kids into the room because we want to just be reminded that we're one big family here. And uh, we're really excited. It's been fun to celebrate with them and uh, with you. And so kids, uh, because you're here tonight, there are just some special things that we've incorporated in the service because we want you to be participating participants as well. You've got some Bibles around the room, kids, on the floor. And if you want to grab one of those and if you want to follow along with us tonight, uh, we're going to look at a bunch of different scriptures, but kind of the main text for this evening comes from page 1121 in those Bibles, okay? And so if you want to have that open, page 1121, it's Luke chapter 1 for the rest of you if you want to follow along uh, in your own Bible. And also, I think, kids, you got a handout when you came in this evening. And so as you follow along, there's going to be an opportunity for you to fill in some of those blanks. And if you can't do that on your own, maybe you've got a, an adult next to you, whether it be a parent or a family member or something, a sibling, maybe they'll be able to... To, to help you in that. How many of you know the feeling of the first day at a brand new school? Adults, you can play on this question too, right? Uh, that, that can be an exciting time. We certainly know that, but it can also be a really frightening time, all right? Especially if you've moved from one community to a new community with a whole bunch of brand new students to get to know. I, I, I did that. We had spent all of our life in a small community in central Illinois uh, growing up, a community uh, called New Berlin, all right? And just a little side note about New Berlin, uh, you know how Noblesville is home of the Millers, right? We, we, we reroute for the Millers if you're from Noblesville. New Berlin is home to the pretzels, right? I'm not kidding. That, that is the truth. They are the pretzels. So thankfully, my parents got me out of town. Uh, after my seventh grade year, we moved a few miles away to the town of Chatham. While uh, the New Berlin schools were very small, the Chatham schools, by comparison, were very large. If you can imagine moving from one middle school to another middle school, it was quite a change. It was quite a shock. And I knew a handful of kids, but I still remember I still vividly remember the first day in the cafeteria with a whole bunch of new classmates and wondering, where in the world am I supposed to sit? Or how in the world am I supposed to fit in to a new school like this one? Why did I tell you that story to open this evening? Well, only just to acknowledge that for some of you, um, I, I know there are some of you here in this room maybe tonight, and you just don't really feel like you fit in here. And, uh, and maybe it's because you're, you'd say, you know what, I'm, I'm not really a church person. Uh, maybe if you were honest, you'd say, you know what, I, I don't know what I believe or if I, if I really even believe anything or uh, if you've had a difficult past. Maybe, maybe there's some fear inside of you of ever getting to know a church like this and the possibility that you might be found out. I just want to be the first to say, if it hasn't been said to you already, that you're welcome here. Uh, we want you to know that you're very welcome uh, at Genesis Church. Our, our church is made up of imperfect people, 
me being one. And uh, man, if we have the opportunity to get to know you, maybe as we get started into the new year, uh, it really would be a privilege to get to know you here and uh, for you to consider the possibilities of maybe being a part of a family like ours. But at the same time, I know that for others of you, uh, maybe as you think back on this past year, uh, well, there are a lot of other things on your mind tonight. And uh, if you're honest with yourself, if you do some evaluation, maybe this year didn't go as planned for you. Uh, maybe there were some real surprises that came up, some unexpected events. Any, anybody, just by a show of hands, have some surprises uh, in 2017? Maybe you're ready to roll into 2018 because of it. I mean, may, maybe for some of you, you'd say, you know what, I, I didn't expect to be alone this year. Or maybe you'd say, you know what, I didn't expect to be divorced. Uh, maybe there's been a medical struggle uh, in your life or in your family this year. Maybe, maybe you're out of work and you never saw that coming. Or maybe there's just been a struggle with your kids. Or if you've moved to a new community, maybe this is a new community for you. Uh, just maybe some real challenges in getting to know a, a new school. Here's what happens. And I think we all know this. No matter what you believe about, well, anything we're going to talk about here tonight. When, when things happen that we don't expect, it messes with you. All right, it has the potential to kind of mess with your values. It, it messes with the way that you see things. Maybe it messes with your, your faith or your belief. And we start to wonder, especially if you call yourself a Christian, you start to wonder, where's God in all of this? Like, like what's he up to here? Or, you know, God, why in the world are you letting this happen to me? Here's what I hope for you this evening, and here's what we've been praying. I pray that tonight will be an encouragement for you. Uh, that in some way, uh, this service here tonight will, will be an encouragement to you. And, and what I want you to do and, and what I'm praying that you'll see is I, I want you to see Jesus for who he is. And I, I, want, I want you to see Jesus for, well, just for the reason why God sent his son uh, into this world. That, you know, and when we think about Jesus, you know, the reality is that as you study him, as you get to know his life, and that's something we've been doing uh, over these past couple of years, you, you sometimes find that he doesn't really fit the mold of what society expected. And, and, and even what we see right here from the beginning of the Christmas story is that his, his birth is a perfect example of things not going as planned. Just to catch you up, for the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Good News, and we've taken this title from Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. On the night that Jesus was born, an angel appeared to the shepherds in the fields around Bethlehem. And I just thought it'd be fun to share with you a picture. These are the fields, all right, around Bethlehem, all right? And you see the sheep out in those so-called pastures. And uh, this would have been the kind of the, a field that the angels would have appeared to these shepherds. And let's look at those words from Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 10. Kids especially, I need your help in reading this, all right, if you can read. And for the rest of us too, let's, let's read it together. It's on the screen. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. For the last two weeks, we've talked about why the birth of Jesus is good news and how this good news can produce in us great joy. And this afternoon, with a little bit of time that we have, I want to talk about why Jesus' birth is good news for all people. For all people. Not just for this church, not just for the church down the street or maybe the church that you used to attend or you've got a neighbor that attends, but why the birth of Jesus is good news for all people, even if you don't feel like you fit in, uh, even if you're not sure what you believe or if life hasn't been going as expected. 
All right, so Luke chapter 1. Uh, kids, maybe you found your place there. We'll also have these verses here on the screen. And if you're taking notes, you, you're going to get some hints along the way. So feel, feel free to fill in these blanks if you don't already know the answers. All right, we want to see that the story of Christmas starts with a young woman named, help me out, Mary, right? That's an easy one, okay? All right, but the, the story starts with a young woman named Mary. Uh, scholars believe that she was anywhere between 13 and 19 years uh, of age. It was culturally acceptable, even at the age of 13, to enter into a marriage. That may have been the case for her. Let's pick up what Luke records for us. He's a historian, and he starts in Luke chapter 1. Let's pick it up in verse 26. Look what Luke records. He says, in the sixth month, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, all right, that's a family member to Mary, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, all right, now here's another hint for us, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, all right, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. That's a pretty cool birth announcement, isn't it? All right? Now, that's a pretty cool announcement, a pretty cool description of who he is and what he will accomplish. But Mary's confused. And why wouldn't she be? All right, this young girl, and so she asked the angel, how will this be? Like, we're not even married yet. In other words, this isn't what I expected, All right? This, this isn't going as planned. Look at verse 35, and the angel's response to her. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you, which is just a hint that God's involved here, All right? This is God's story, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Now look at Mary's reply to the angel in verse 38. She replies, I am the Lord's servant. She answered, may your word to me be fulfilled, and then the angel left her. I just want you to notice right there that while difficult news to receive, see that Mary's compliant. She obeys. Even when she doesn't completely understand, she says, I'll obey. I'll do what you've asked me to do. Now, don't forget about Joseph, all right, because, well, he's got a stake in all of this too, and he's engaged to Mary, and well, the news of the pregnancy is going to rattle him for sure. Look at Matthew's account uh, in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, because Matthew writes an account of the birth of Jesus too. And here's what Matthew has to say about this encounter with Joseph. He writes, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together... She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her 
quietly. Now, you have to know and believe that Mary shared her side of the story, that she, once having this experience, once have had this experience with the angel, went to Joseph, explained the events, what was happening, all right, the fact that she was pregnant and how that came to be and what would be become of this child. And so I got to think that he knew about the angel again. He knew the words about Mary being highly favored and the Holy Spirit's work here and how Mary was going to give birth to the Son of God, but at the same time still thinking, I didn't sign up for this, all right? Like this isn't at all what I expected. How many of you have something that you're really hoping to receive for Christmas? Uh, a gift, all right, of some sorts, all ages, right? How, how many of you are, are hoping? Turn to the person next to you and tell them the one thing that you're hoping for. Do it real quick, all right? Turn to the person next to you, tell them, here's one thing I'm hoping to receive this Christmas, right? All right, that's always fun, all right? Gifts are fun, and so maybe you've got something that you're holding out for and if not, maybe you're sharing that idea with the person next to you right now. Moms and dads, you're thinking, oh, we forgot. How did we forget that that's what they wanted? Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever asked for a gift, received it, and then were terribly disappointed to discover that it's not what you had hoped for, all right? Anybody ever have an experience like that? I'll give you an example, all right? And I'll kind of date myself a, a little bit here, but I know some of you will relate. How many of you remember the Nintendo game Tecmo Football, all right? And how great Tecmo Football was, all right? We all acknowledge it was a great uh, video game, all right? One year I asked, after having received Tecmo Football, for Tecmo Baseball. Boo, all right? Huge disappointment, all right? You know, we we're all about Tecmo football. Tecmo baseball was a total bust, all right, in my opinion. Great disappointment. Here, think about this one. How many of you have ever been surprised by a gift, all right? And, and maybe it wasn't Christmas time, it wasn't your birthday, all right? You didn't really have any reason to be expecting a gift, but somebody maybe offered you a gift and it was better than expected. I've, I've got an example of just that. One time, it was a, a few years ago, um, my buddy Jim, and uh, Jim doesn't attend here anymore. He and his wife moved to South Carolina to retire. Why he'd go down there to retire, I don't know. But uh, Jim came up to me one day out here in our cafe, and uh, he handed me a box like this one. And uh, again, Jim was a good friend, but he'd never given me a gift like this before. And he said, well, hey, open it up. And so I sure did. I, I tore into a box, and I, I pulled out a teddy bear. And I'll be honest, I was thinking it's a little weird that a grown man's given me a teddy bear. Uh, and, uh, you know, there was a day and age in my life where I enjoyed a good teddy bear just like everyone else. But, you know, now as a 42-year-old guy, maybe not as important to me. But uh, here's something you need to know about my friendship with Jim. I, I'm a diehard St. Louis Cardinals baseball fan, all right? And Jim as well is a diehard St. Louis Cardinals baseball fan. So that kind of makes it cool. But but still a teddy bear. Like, what, what am I supposed to do with a teddy bear? And so Jim kind of noticed I was looking at it, you know, sort of funny, thinking, what in the world am I going to do with this teddy bear? And he said, hey, you need, you need to turn it around. And so sure enough, I turned it around, and on the back side was this Albert Pujols jersey. Now, unfortunately, Albert Pujols doesn't play for the Cardinals anymore. But at the time, you know, Albert Pujols was the star of the team. And I was a big Albert Pujols fan, much like many St. Louis Cardinals fan. But there was an even better surprise because little did I realize that this future Hall of Famer 
had signed this teddy bear, all right? And so, again, so much more than just a teddy bear, but a signed, you know, autographed teddy bear by future Hall of Famer, I think, most likely, you know, Albert Pujols. Again, the gift was so much more than I expected. I I don't think Joseph realized what he was getting in Jesus. I, I don't think he realized the magnitude of what was coming, not only for his life, but what God was doing in this world. And I'm sure he and Mary had dreams about having kids, but not like this. Again, remember, they're not married yet. And so he decides to be done with Mary, and sure, he's nice about it, and he's going to end the relationship quietly, but even so, he decides he's done. And you just got to understand that this is going to leave Mary on her own. And 2,000 years ago, in a culture like this one that was all about honor and shame, uh, as a single mom, this culture will label Mary as damaged goods. She will be rejected. Uh, Calling the rest of her life a, a struggle would be an understatement, all right? But that's not going to happen. And why? Because, again, this is God's plan. Uh, Christmas is God's story, the story of what he's doing in this world. And look what he does for Joseph and for Mary, too. He, He looks down on their plight. He hears their cries and their worries, and he intercedes. Matthew records it in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, like this. He says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, appeared to Joseph in a dream, and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Now, if this were a movie, this is where the screen would go from dark to light. This is where the, the music would build, and Mary and Joseph would ride off into the sunset together and not have to worry about anything ever again. But it's not a movie. This is a historical account of real people and something true that happened to them 2,000 years ago. And look at what history records happened next. Luke 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire world. Now, if you were here with us a couple of weeks ago, I introduced you to this Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, and told you a little bit about him. And here's his high school senior photo. Uh, Caesar Augustus himself needs to get out in the sun a little bit more. But uh, because Rome ruled the world by force, all right, anything that Caesar said goes. He's in charge. And he declared that a census would be taken of the entire world. Now, what in the world is a census? Well, you could say that a census is like taking attendance of the empire, all right? But more than that, a census means taxes, all right? Taxes to fund the empire. And if you think you have it bad, get this. It has been said that people living in Israel under the rule of the Roman Empire were taxed at a rate up to 70% of their belongings, And so this census that Mary and Joseph and a very pregnant Mary must participate in requires that they return to Joseph's hometown. It's in your notes, kids. 
how'd the boys say it in the bit? Bethlehem, is that how we say it, right? Bethlehem, all right? And we look at that and we think, well, that's sweet, right? You know, Mary and Joseph take a little trip down to grandma and grandpa's, you know, spend the weekend together, fill out some paperwork, not so fast. In fact, I want to give you an inside glance at what a Roman census entailed and the fear it would have put in the people. These words are taken from the Roman historian Lactanius about 300 years after Christ, and here's how he described the conditions surrounding a census. Listen to this. The greatest public calamity and general sorrow was the census imposed on the provinces and cities. The census takers appeared everywhere and produced a tumult wherever they went. The fields were measured clod by clod. Every grapevine and fruit tree counted. Every head of livestock uh, of every kind was listed. The exact number of people noted. And in the autonomous cities, the urban and rural population were herded together until the marketplaces were filled with the collected families. All came with their whole band of children and slaves. Everywhere was heard the screaming of those who were being interrogated with torture and beatings. Sons were forced to testify against their fathers. The trustiest slaves driven to bear witness against their masters and wives against their husbands. When all other means had been exhausted, the victims were tortured until they gave evidence against themselves. And when pain at last had, had at, at last been conquered... Taxable property that did not exist was registered. And this is what Mary and Joseph were walking into when they stepped foot into Bethlehem. And they make this long trip. You know, a young man with his 38-week or so pregnant fiance, and they get to town, and when they finally arrive, they discover there's no room to stay because the town is full of people every room, and every home. And so they end up finding refuge in a stable, most likely a cave where the animals were secured. Pretty sweet accommodations, right? You know, I mean, this is what every girl dreams about for her honeymoon to end up in a stable. It's not what they expected, not what they had planned. But while they were there, and we don't know how long it was, the baby was born. And again, kids, his name is Jesus all right, if you're writing down in your notes, and he's perfect, I mean perfect in more ways than one. And, and they get, Mary and Joseph, they get all of these visitors and all these gifts. And for a while, I'm sure this young newlywed couple felt very blessed. But then another angel appears to Joseph and tells him that Herod, the king in Jerusalem, is going around and killing all of the baby boys trying to get to Jesus. And so Mary and Joseph have to escape with their lives, and they flee to Egypt. Again, not what they were expecting. And a couple of years pass, and they finally get word that the coast is clear, and so they return to Nazareth. And from what we know and the little details surrounding Jesus' boyhood, we know that he grew up as a young boy does, that he likely learned the family business, his father's trade. And, and Mary and Joseph, we know they had more sons and daughters, but somehow Jesus is different. All right, there's just something different about him. While human, something is different, and people notice that in him. Well, Jesus becomes an adult and he doesn't become a carpenter like his father was and like everyone else expects, but instead he becomes a rabbi or a teacher. And he travels around Israel and he teaches people about God and things like faith and 
and obedience and how we treat others. And so here's this man from a little, you know, outside town known as Nazareth, and he's claiming to be the son of God, and he's healing people, and he's, he's teaching with authority and power. And let's just say this, that he wasn't what some had expected. Right? They just couldn't get their minds around Jesus being the, the son of God. He wasn't what they expected, and so they get mad, and there's a whole group of people that come up with this plot to kill him. But, but you know, the whole time that this is happening, Jesus never lashes out. He, he never lifts a hand against his enemies. He, he always chooses love, and, but then eventually he's betrayed by one of his very closest friends, and he's arrested, and the text says that they put him on trial and that he's severely beaten and a crown of thorns was shoved on his head and he was stripped naked and people spit on him until they finally hung him up on a cross where he was left to die. And who was standing there at the foot of the cross as her son looks down on her lovingly? Mary, the mother of Jesus. And sure, she's got a few more wrinkles now, but she has to be thinking to herself, this isn't what I expected. This isn't what I had planned. And then Jesus takes his last breath and he cries out, Father, forgive them for they don't realize what they're doing. And in that moment, he's certainly talking about those that are surrounding the cross, those that are ridiculing him. But you know what? He was talking about you and me too. Because think about how often we mess up. We say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing choose the, the wrong things, we give up on God or we go looking to other things to do for us what only God could, could do. But here's the thing, even in that moment, even as Jesus hung on the cross and breathed his last breath, he knew, like he understood your need and my need for life. And he understood your need for, for purpose and for hope and he understood that we would need healing and forgiveness. And although we could never do enough good on our own to deserve it, he offered his us his love and his forgiveness anyways. And who does that? What sort of God, you know, offers a gift like that, forgiveness, through one man, his son, for all people? See, here's the thing. The good news of Christmas is this, that it doesn't matter uh, what you've done. It doesn't matter what anyone else has ever said about you. Christmas is a reminder that the forgiveness of God is available to all people through Jesus Christ, through the birth of a Savior, Jesus Christ. And, you know, the funny thing for, for some of you this afternoon might be just this, that maybe you've come here today and the truth is that you have everything you could ever want and more. But I just wonder that if for some of you this afternoon, even in having everything, if you were honest, you might acknowledge that while having everything, something is missing. Something's not right. Something doesn't add up for you. You know, what's missing is, is a Savior. For some of you tonight, what's missing is the reality of a Savior. It's Jesus and what he wants to do in your life and bring to your life and what he wants to do through your life. And so, you know what, maybe you walked in here this afternoon thinking, I didn't expect the cancer. Or thinking, you know what, I didn't expect the depression. Or 
I didn't expect a funeral this year. I didn't expect to have to go bail him out or I didn't expect to be alone or I didn't expect anything really. Or, or maybe you look at your life and maybe you find your, the, the mess that you're in. You, know, you find yourself in this mess and you think to yourself, you know what, I created it. I brought it on myself. There's no way that God could ever want anything to do with me. I gotta tell you, that's where you're wrong because the birth of Jesus is good news of great joy for all people. Look what the Apostle Paul says about this in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. He's got a fantastic story that we don't have the time to tell, but he learned some things in his life too about forgiveness. He writes this, he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. What can separate you from the love of God, nothing. There is nothing that can separate you from his love. In fact, the only thing that's standing in the way between you and God might potentially be just this. It's you. You might be the only thing that's standing in the way of receiving and encountering the love of Christ for your life. And so maybe you're wondering this afternoon, what I don't know what to do next. Well, I would just say that it could be that your next step is to get right with God. And I just want you to know that you could make a, a decision, a move, a choice like that, even this afternoon, even where you're sitting right now, one that could radically change the direction of your life forever. I, I was 12 years old when I made the decision, the conscious choice to trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I was baptized as a just kind of a demonstration of just that. I just want you to know I can't imagine my life without a relationship with Jesus and just the meaning and the purpose that he's bringing to my life, the help that I receive from him each and every day. Do you have that in your life? I know we've got a bunch of people here tonight. You've made a decision like that, but for others of you, you haven't for whatever reason, and you can because his birth is good news of great joy for all people. I'll end with this. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 again. We looked at these words just a moment ago. Notice one more time the angel's words, the promise that she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. And what will he do? He will save his people from their sins. Will you pray with me? As you bow your heads and as we close our eyes, I just... I just want you to hear those words very personally here tonight. You know, even as you think about the angel's words, that his name will be Jesus. And maybe even in a very personal way, hear, hear those words for, for you, that he will save you from your sins, that he is a God of life and hope and salvation and future. And that begins now. It's not something that you have to earn. It's not, it's not something you have to prove. It, it's not a message you got to run out of here and go clean up first so that you can somehow come back and receive it. No, Christmas is just this, that God himself, he, he sent his son, he came down from heaven and he lived his life and he gave his life for you and for me so that we might trust him and live for him and be changed by him and find all of our hope in him in this world. Does it mean a perfect life? Absolutely not. Does it mean a life free of pain and sorrow? Unfortunately, no. Not yet at least. 
but he gave his life so that we could have life, so that we could have somewhere to turn. And he's made himself available for you here this afternoon. And I want to invite you, if you're, if you're ready, if you've never made a decision like this before, maybe you feel something going on in your life tonight and you're just simply ready to respond and say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. It doesn't require any fancy words. There's no magical prayer. It's really just a move of your heart and your mind and just to even acknowledge where you're seated right now just to say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive me, be my hope, be my strength, be my future. And as we pray, I just want to tell you this, that if you've done something like that, if you're ready to pray a prayer like that, man, we'd love to, we'd love to get to know you. We'll be up front here afterwards. And if you'd be so bold or courageous to come up and say, hey, funny thing is this, I, I prayed that prayer this afternoon. Man, we'd love to celebrate with you. Or maybe you've got a friend that's invited you, uh, somebody that attends here. And hey, would you share that news with them? Just, just don't let it go by without sharing where you are with someone else. And for the rest of us, let's, Let's let this reminder of the good news of Jesus, let's let it shape our afternoon and our evening and our day tomorrow and fill us with joy and life and purpose as we celebrate our Savior. God, we thank you. We thank you that you had a plan and your plan is your son and Christmas is about Jesus and it's all about your glory, Lord. And so we are living for you. We give our lives, we surrender our lives to you because you gave your life for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray.